Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back for another episode. I um, recently did a podcast with Gail Coleman, and we talked about her famous quote of how a financial professional, a financial therapist or coach, can only take their client as far as they've taken themselves. And I think this is um, just a universal truth, as I said on that podcast. And I thought maybe it would be worth exploring a little bit more about what that means. And I know a lot of financial uh, therapists, financial planners, therapists listen to the podcast, as well as a lot of you who are consumers and very interested in your money journey. And I actually think that this is going to be interesting or pertinent for either Uh, whether you're a consumer or you are a practitioner. Because as a consumer, and and actually in a way, I kind of have the consumer in in mind for this podcast, because when you go searching for help, especially a financial therapist or financial planning, uh, there's not a a one-size-fits-all. There's no certification that will guarantee you of the complete package. So you, you've got to do your research more than, than I think you would have to if you were looking for an accountant, uh, CPA, let's say. So um, uh, I wanted to cover that. And I have a cat in here that is wanting to make herself very known. So <laughs> I'll try to coexist with her. So... I think, you know, how, do, how can you tell that your uh, financial therapist, let, let, let's phrase this in financial therapist, but it goes to financial planner or even, even a therapist, has done their interior work because one of the ways that we learn most is observing the behavior of other people. And this is why telling is not an effective method of teaching our learning unless it is usually accompanied by some type of showing. That goes along with the axiom that I have said many times is you can't read yourself to something that's experiential. You can't read yourself to becoming a great baseball player or basketball player or golfer. You've got to actually go out and do it. And the concept is exactly the same when it comes to working with interior finance, when it comes to working with the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs around money. So it's really crucial that somebody that a consumer is going to be relying on to guide them in this interior landscape has done that work themselves. I mean, it's just, hmm, 
almost negligent to me to think that someone would do this work and have not been a practitioner. So it's really important that the financial professional, the financial therapist is really taken a look to understand and change their own self-limiting money scripts and their harmful financial behaviors. And we've talked about before in the money script categories that mental health professionals tend to fall into the money avoidant category where they have money scripts like money is unimportant or if you're good, the universe will supply all your needs. And financial professionals, on the other hand, financial planners, will tend to have money vigilant uh, money scripts uh, that will fall into the categories of like um, don't have any debt, don't spend, save for a rainy day. And especially because I'm an educated financial professional, I don't have any money issues. <laughs> we ran into this all the time when we were doing the uh, trainings, the early trainings at OnSite. And I would be talking to some of my peers about coming and doing the workshop and oh man, you know, I work with money. I really don't think I have any issues. And I would tell them, I tell you what, if at the end of the five and a half day training, you really know that you didn't have any financial issues, that, that this didn't bring anything up, I will absolutely give you your money back, 100%. No questions asked. I never wrote that check. <laughs> so... We all have our relationship with money and uh, things that we, we need to uh, take a look at that. And oftentimes a financial professional, their issue with money isn't around the dollars and cents of it, like perhaps some of their clients have. They could worry about money, be uh, fearful about the future, a lot of anxiety about shame about that they have too little or too much money, keeping secrets from their spouses. I mean, there's all sorts of potential issues. So um, it's pretty important to make this journey. So where does a person start? Well, a financial professional starts at the same exact place as a consumer starts. There is no difference. I recently was contracted to give a day training to some financial professionals and they were wondering, you know, is this a little bit too consumer oriented? It kind of looks like, are you sure this is for us financial professionals? And I said, I can absolutely assure you it's for financial professionals because financial professionals need to go through the same exact interior exploration with themselves as uh, their clients need to do. So it really doesn't matter if I'm talking to consumers, financial professionals, or who I'm talking to about going on the interior journey to discover um, finan financial biases and, and traumas and things of that sort. We all start pretty much at the same place. So I think it's probably... You know, we've gone over this before on this podcast that the first step is uh, stepping out of uh, pre-contemplation. That's where we, we can call that denial to start contemplating doing this work. 
right? So we're stepping from, I don't have any unconscious money beliefs to saying, well, hmm, maybe I'm open to considering the fact that maybe I have some. And then moving through preparation to get ready and then that, the actual action step of starting to do the work. I think the place that I start with my financial therapy clients is with the money script exercises. And you can find these in facilitating financial health, in the financial wisdom of Ebenezer Scrooge. You can find them online. Dr. Brad Klontz has them on his site. You could email me and I could send you a PDF of that. So that's, and I'm talking about the KSMI-R, which is clinically tested. Very quick survey. I think 32 questions it's been boiled down to. To bring out your main categories of money scripts. But I would go further than this in using the uh, two books I talked about. Has some additional exercises, kind of a, a uh, what do I want to call it? Just coming, uh, like saying various words, uh, taxes, government, family, mothers, fathers, you know, what are, what's the one word statement that comes up around money? around those words and you can use an <laughs> almost an infinite number of words to flesh out money scripts. And then there's a fill in the blank exercise that goes along with that. So, you know, ideally if a person spent, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour, just really fleshing out money beliefs. And uh, we've talked about this. I don't want to go over how to do that. You can refer to another podcast. That's a great first step. And there are almost any of the exercises in facilitating financial health. I mean, even though we wrote that book, I'm guessing 15 years ago, uh, and we updated it five years ago, I still use almost every exercise out of that book. So the financial integration and uh, Exercise is really good. The financial incompletion inventory is helpful. I think the two things that I use most on the interior journey is the money atom, looking at how your family of origin did money. The money egg, looking at your history of money. Uh, the Dow, Dow Jones money timeline and the money dialogue. All of those are excellent, excellent things to do. And those are exercises that a financial therapist, financial planner can use with their clients as well. So uh, for financial professionals, this is kind of a twofer, yeah, right? They're doing their own personal work and then they are doing uh, training. This is training for doing uh, professional work. Now, I would strongly suggest that any financial professional that's doing these uh, exercises that they then process these with a trusted colleague, a mentor. I think it'd be preferable to process these with a financial therapist, to hire a financial therapist and do a session or two or three processing these particular exercises. The reason is, again, it's going to, to just be a lot richer when you're processing 
with somebody else. There's going to be some things that come up that you didn't see, you didn't contemplate, and make it a just a, a much deeper and meaningful exercise. It's also training as well, you know, of seeing how you're coached. I think there's a saying that says to be a great coach, you had to have been coached. So I think all of this is helpful. Then, of course, and we've talked about some of the places that professionals can get training beyond this, which is really important, right? Because we can go this far, but there's there's a lot further a person can do. And it limits the financial professional as to how far they have taken themselves to how effective they are going to be with their clients. So there's the <coughs> Kinder Institute has a program, a Money Quotient has training, the Financial uh, Transitionist Institute has trainings, there are formal trainings with Kansas State University that has a certificate program in financial therapy. There's Golden Gate University that has their financial life planning certificate. There's the Financial Psychology Institute does their trainings uh, through uh, Creighton University. Uh, so there's Texas Tech has just started, a, I believe, a financial life planning a certificate. So there's, there's becoming more and more places, and I would say one of these is just crucial, just necessary, even just for a planner that wants to do financial life planning. I wrote a column today on what financial planning isn't because we're seeing so many large institutions, many of whom sell mutual funds or sell annuities or sell life insurance, saying they're doing this wonderful comprehensive financial planning, and actually they might be doing half of a job in one-seventh of an area. And uh, so financial life planning, which is very comprehensive and adds in the emotional aspect of financial planning, is much broader and takes a lot more training. And not, so how can we even go deeper? Where do you go from here? You've done this You've done all the exercises. You've done the trainings, uh, maybe a year-long, two-year-long training. Where do you go from here? And I would almost state where you could start is doing your own financial therapy, hiring a financial therapist to do your own financial therapy. So as a consumer, you may be looking at hiring a financial therapist. So you're wanting to know, have they done all this stuff? So it's really easy to ask them, have you been a consumer? Have you been a client of a financial therapist? And I think it would be okay to say, and if so, how long? I mean, you really don't want to, I mean, somebody who's had one or two sessions with a financial therapist is, it's a little bit different than if they've uh, had uh, several years. And I guess they, they wouldn't necessarily have to be a financial therapist because just doing therapy in itself uh, can be uh, so important, right, to the interior journey because we know the interior journey is not about the money. It's about our relationship to the money. So I would uh, want to look at someone who has done their own therapy around all of their issues, quite frankly, because you, you just can't draw a line and say, okay, well, this is financial therapy and this is normal therapy. <laughs> it's uh, kind of like um, trying to 
to put blue and yellow together you know, dyes and then trying to separate out those colors once they're mixed together. There, there's just not a fine line. So these are some real great things for you as a consumer to explore with any financial therapist and even a financial life planner that you might be looking at. And you might be surprised to find out that there, it, there's reasonable resistance among us definitely financial planners about uh, doing, getting their own financial planner, for example. A lot of resistance around that, around doing any type of therapy or financial therapy. There can be resistance around therapists, mental health providers, in doing their own financial planning because they tend to be money avoiding. Financial or therapists tend to be more open to being consumers of therapy. Sometimes in a few programs, they are required to at least do some very minimal engagements of their doing their own therapy. But it's, it's not extremely common that a therapist uh, chronically goes to therapy for a number of years in a maintenance. I don't mean chronically as being wrong. I mean, continuously has a uh, real solid foundation of addressing their issues over a period of time. And planners, when they uh, are being resistant, to, especially to, to doing their own financial planning, getting, I'm sorry, getting help doing their financial planning, the number one reason they give is they can do this themselves. Another second one is I won't receive value for my money. The fee is too high. <laughs> Do these sound familiar to what maybe a normal consumer might resist around getting a planner? There will be philosophical differences. I might lose credibility in the eyes of a peer or my spouse. I can't find a, co a competent financial planner is the fifth reason that you hear. So it is just not uh, common for these professionals to have done their own work. So this is really, really important to look alike. So I um, reviewed the chapter on this in Facilitating Financial Health. And I had forgotten that we had included a number of testimonials from a number of financial planners uh, that have that had done this work. And it was... Uh, just really quite rewarding to look at these and and go over them and and remember the um, the impact that doing this work has done. One of them, in fact, was uh, Gail Coleman that uh, let us or gave us a testimonial of the impact that it uh, made for them. I was tempted to, to read some of these, and I, don't, I didn't know if that would be of interest to a lot of you or, or not. I, I, I will, I'll, I'll read one from a wonderful financial planner that I had the opportunity to meet on the desert with George Kinder when we did the Kinder training. And she said financial planning and self-discovery have been inter intertwined 
for me from the beginning. I became a financial planner because I wanted to understand why my husband and I were unable to make healthy decisions if money was involved and why it had such a toxic effect on our relationship. The body of knowledge one must master in order to pass the CFP exam is complex and challenging, but contains nothing to help answer the question of how money affects people. I had to look elsewhere for the answer, and I found it through seeking to understand my own motivations and beliefs. As I learned how to ask myself the deep questions, and as I experienced the personal growth that came from facing the difficult answers, I found that I was growing in my ability to help clients on an equally deep level. In the past, I had depended on deliverables or excess returns to justify my value to my clients. Now I found that I had not only the knowledge, but the wisdom to offer them in their search for a future that was meaningful. This is the difference between doing good planning and doing great planning. Recognizing that money cannot create significance, but it is merely a servant to achieving a significant life. And this was written by Marcy Yeager, who's now uh, uh, retired and um, just a, a wonderful person. <laughs> and this was before there was financial therapy. I think she wrote this before 2010. And so it was so, so impactful, so meaningful back there. And this is for a financial planner. How much more important it is for a financial therapist to be doing this work. So, it's really important that the financial professionals that the consumer works with have done their own money work. We call this, in the mental health profession, it's called counter-transference work. So that when a client is talking and presenting their issues, if the, the counselor, the therapist, is triggered by one of these issues because they haven't done their own work on it, they really cannot effectively help the client and in some cases could harm the client, right? So it's really important that we do this. It's really important that the financial professional has worked to build financial health, financial well-being and emotional well-being within themselves. And it's not a one and done. It's not, okay, I did these programs, I'm done. It, it's a journey, a lifelong journey of learning and peeling the onion, as you will, right? I was just at a training with uh, Dick Schwartz, who is the founder of IFS, and he, he said, you know, we've always talked about the onion. He said, I think in IFS we're actually peeling a garlic head. <laughs> Because we run into these cloves of uh, inner constellations of parts. And one of those cloves would be an inner constellation of all the parts of us around money. And how all of them relate to one another. So it's just so important that we do this work. It's, so being having a healthy relationship with money is way more than just successfully 
managing wealth. We know that money can't provide meaning, and yet it is inescapably involved in every aspect of life that does provide meaning. It, money isn't everything, but it touches everything. So I just thought, I just want to say to the financial professionals listening to this and helping clients move toward financial health requires both that you have the technical skills to apply to the client situation and the interior skills to apply. And the interior skills are all about you having done your own personal work. I think I've said this, I'm not sure, but in doing IFS informed financial therapy, I have said that 50% of what comes up in a session wasn't in any training. And I would say 45% of the time of what comes up, I can go back to my own personal sessions and remember a time that this came up or where this came up in my life or how I related to it. Without having done my own work, I would be far less effective in helping clients. So this is true. It goes beyond doing just IFF. It is in anything. It's so important that the provider has done their work, has had their seat in the butt, their seat in the butt, their butt in the seat <laughs> as a client, as a consumer. Because only then can they really know what it is to be walking with, to be with their client. Thanks so much uh, for listening. And I look forward to being with you again. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.